it's it's all gold. Save it's it all, all, baby. It's all gold. So hey, uh, skipped a week there. Didn't I think? It was oh a week, my right? god, you were gone. I was left to my own devices. That's not good. I thought we we understood that I'm not to be left alone. I was worried about that. The only thing that worried me about my Facebook exodus was the fact that Dave would be pretty much like alone in a room because I'm kind of like I bet you bounce those ideas off of me. You know, you'll send me stuff that you see on there. You look this fucking bullshit. And you'll say, don't post that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's true. I guess I haven't seen your account since uh, since I left. So I, I hope I hope to hell that it's not like, you know, just going to battle every day, putting on the armor. Well, I've been I've been hemorrhaging followers, and I think it's because uh, I, I can't keep up with who's in trouble lately. So I posted I posted an article about um, some crazy like uh, conspiracy nut who was going to a bunch of funerals and attacking like uh, the victims and saying, you know, they're crisis actors. And I, you know, I was mad about it, and I made the mistake of putting up something I was mad about. That's what I should never do. And I, it was a Vice article. Um, did you know? Did you know you're not supposed to post Vice articles? I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that. Yeah, I kind of learned that uh, recently with people who I know in my periphery working with Vice and the kind of pushback they get from people who they talk to. You know what I mean? It's one of those. You, you know what? That you did mention that. You see, that's I didn't. I should have wrote it down. I need a list. Mm-hmm. I need. And so I was. I just kind of lashed out. Was like, uh, well, I guess I. I you know, the thing that I thought nobody could possibly disagree with was, um, you know, posted in a venue that somebody finds problematic. So enjoy hell together. <laughs> and then I lost three more people. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's one of those things. I, I think that this is a game that cannot be won. I That's why I backed away from it, because I realized eh, maybe five years too late that it was a complete disaster of a of a platform with which to try to, like, get any kind of point across at all. Twitter's kind of the same way too. I mean, you kind of like the only thing Twitter, the, the way to properly use Twitter, as far as I understand it, is to just uh, get as mad as you possibly can on the internet and then tell people about it. So, so Facebook is not like that at all. Facebook is more, you're supposed, Facebook is, is where everybody goes to clap each other on the back essentially. And so if you don't really have it in your personality to, be a back clapper, which I don't, um, it becomes really problematic because you sort of like everybody starts talking about one particular pet social issue, the issue of the day, if you will. Right, right. And you're supposed to chime in with your own version of maybe four possible Facebook statuses. Does that make sense? And if you don't do that, people are like, uh, do, uh, does not compute. Something is wrong. Um, th- he has a different <laughs> opinion than me. He must be a Nazi. Right, right, and that's uh, I can't I can't keep track of it, and I mean I I didn't realize that um, I was the definition of a shit poster. My sister reminded me of this yesterday. I didn't know what that definition was. I thought shit post meant you posted a bunch of stuff that was bad, but she's like, no, it's like if you shit something out, just like bloop 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 bloop. Mm-hmm. She's like, that's what you do. You just keep putting up. Like lately, I've been putting up analysis of Dan Fogelberg songs for no reason because. <laughs> Because I'm in California and I have no friends, so I just type shit out onto the computer. It's, I treat it like blogger mm-hmm. back in the day when no one listened. Right. And uh, I think that that people don't like that or something. I don't know. I, maybe that's not how I'm supposed to use it, but I don't know what else to do with my – I mean if I'm stuck in office hours and I'm stuck in my house with nothing to do, I just – I, I'll either call somebody and tell them my thoughts on Dan Fogelberg or I'll type it into my computer. But then somebody will say, well, you know, Dan Fogelberg's problematic. <laughs> what, what, wait, what? Are, you, are you being – did somebody actually say that or no, are you just no, making but an example? but it's coming, dude. It's got to happen. Yeah. Like I, I put up something about fucking Terry Gilliam. Gilliam, how do you say his name? I don't know. Yeah. The Time Bandits guy, Brazil guy, you know him. Mm. He's problematic now. I didn't realize yeah. this. Yeah. He, Don Quixote was come is coming out finally, so I got excited because I've been hearing about this movie since 1990. But you can't uh, get excited about that because he said something stupid. I he, I assume he said something about the Me Too shit. I didn't mm-hmm. track it down. But here's the thing, dude. I will. Uh, I understand when these people actually do things mm-hmm. and when they do horrible things. And then when I watch, say, Rosemary's Baby, I'll do it in shame by myself, and I won't tell anybody about it. Mm-hmm. 
because I understand that that person is a terrible person. But if they just say stupid shit, I don't fucking care. I don't care if somebody just says something stupid. So that means I have to pretend that his filmography no longer exists because he said something stupid last week. Like, I can't I can't do it. I can't get on board with that. Right. Well, he said, let me know when he does something. He said he's he's an old crazy person. He's an old man. Well, I was talking to Scott Adlerberg about this the other day, and I think that Facebook really negatively impact and pretty much anybody who got to Facebook over the age of 40. uh, That's where the acute brain poisoning really happened, because I think everybody sort of younger than that. Uh, was seeing its evolution sort of for what it was. And I think that kind of growing up with it gave us a kind of home field advantage to kind of understand the nuances of when things are going wrong and when they're okay. Because you'll notice like people younger than me, people in their 20s don't have fucking Facebooks. They barely even have Twitters. And people, oh, yeah, people no, even I've, younger I'm, than that don't have it at all. But I think that oh, like... It's, I, it's embarrassing to them. I brought it up in class the other day. I made a comment about Facebook and this girl's like, Face what? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically, like, I do think that what ended up happening was, you know, older folks, like, Kate definitely came up in the more, like, blogger era where you were there to kind of air your thoughts about whatever it might be. And now that's kind of been poisoned by this sort of, um, well, it's, perf- yeah, the performative kind of shit. I think that we all can kind of, like, see the nuance between a tweet that is, generally well-intentioned and well thought out and nuanced and, you know, and is coming from a place, even if it's not any of those things, I think that there's a sixth sense for when it's coming from a genuine place. And then there's another thing that where it's like, you're definitely kind of riding the wave of, of, uh, well, you're just kind of saying what everybody else is saying. And I think that with something like Terry Gilliam, it's completely okay to have a nuanced opinion like, yeah, what he's saying is totally heinous and probably indicative of behavior on his own part that is less than stellar. And and still think that, you know, time bandits is okay. And and plus, I can have that conversation somewhere else. When I'm celebrating that Don Quixote is popping up after, you know, 100 years of production and cursed sets and people being fired and dying like that's the topic at hand so i would say like read the fucking room Mm -hmm. what is the conversation right now when somebody just swoops in and says oh well fuck him blah blah, i'm like Mm -hmm. read the fucking room dude we can talk about that if you want to talk about that but right now i'm excited that this movie's gonna happen yeah so and maybe that's the curse of Don Quixote is that now you, when it finally comes out, you can't talk about it because he's been me too you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's one of those things, too, where people need to – how do I put this? How do I put this in a very, very kind of delicate way? Um, there's, a, there's a slippery slope argument, obviously, that I've brought up a lot of times before where it's like nothing in this world is actually pure. Like nothing, literally nothing. Name whoever your uh, favorite – figurehead of moral certitude is and i can guarantee you that there are skeletons in that closet that would make you terrified because they're human beings and we all have those things and even further than that if you want to get like really real with it it's like we're doing all this on computers and phones that are built by slaves and that's not something that sounds like i'm being facetious and trying to you know do one of those arguments where it's like oh well you can't talk but i'm i'm actually i genuinely believe that you know what i mean it's like we can't overlook the fact that our entire existence is built on murder genocide and awful shit just happening no, dude, now that's, it's, that, it's, that's it's a selective that's just like a select selective hypocrisy that they're doing and it's and it's to score points like nobody does that in a vacuum nobody would send me that message no you know they have to do it in this performative public fashion and say see i know what he did and again what you're saying you know what he said and let's roll the tape on the stupid shit that you said. You know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. Yeah, let's and, get a video again, of you when you were fucking drunk. Like, exactly. let's, yeah, and let's see if or, you, which you know Terry Gilliam's probably drunk all the time. So it's put like, him, put him in a car, put anybody in a car with about four other dudes on a road trip for about five hours. And by the time it's over, they're feral and saying the most idiotic, heinous shit imaginable mm-hmm. and have, have regressed. And yeah. again, I'm saying, I'm saying this because. It's not about what he did. It's about what he said. And that's where I, I, I don't even know if I'm drawing a line at what they do as, as far as like I can't erase my memory of a film, but I can avoid 
them in the future. You know what I mean? I can be like, well, fuck that person because they they're fucking rapists. Mm-hmm. But it's but I can't erase my memory of the things I've already seen before I knew about it. Right. But with something they've said, I've got no time for that. Yeah. You know, they're gonna be they're gonna embarrass themselves. Like Clint Eastwood is the most embarrassing presence, the most embarrassing old man. Yeah. Uh, right wing psycho right now, but. It's so far I haven't heard about him, me too, and anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just him talking to chairs, so I can still watch the Unforgiven. <laughs> I'll watch the Unforgiven without any hesitation. Right, and not, th- it's not like the Rosemary's Baby where I'm going to do it in a dark room and I'm going to at the end I'll take some sort of whip and muck, like I'll <laughs> abuse myself for it right. because um, I do realize that that's I'm in a dark place. If uh, but I can't erase my memory of that movie. You know, well, so and I think it's that it's not- also it's the so many fucks rule and it's the how many how many circles outside yourself before you're allowed to not care about something. You know what I mean? And I think that that's a realistic human thing. If somebody spoke to, let's say, Rios or treated her in a certain way that I didn't like or that was uh, actually heinous. I'd, I'd fucking kill them. You know what I mean? Like I'd, mm-hmm. I would find them and rip their head off. And then we can, okay, we can expand that circle out too. You know, okay, so there's my mom and my sister. And then we expand it out a little bit further and there's my, my friends. And then we expand, and then it's like, at, at what point, you know, if my neighbor is, uh, you know, like screaming at her husband or her husband screaming at her and I hear clattering in the house, do I call the cops? Do I in- involve myself? No, it's like, or maybe I do, I don't know. But it's still, that's that's a circle outside. Okay, so let's take it one step further. Do I care what goes on in a bar between some dude and his girlfriend as long as he's not, like, hitting her? No, I don't care. And then further out, do I care what somebody who I've never met who makes art that I like says about an issue that doesn't really – He's it's not going to have an effect on the issue one way or the other. It's just a shitty thing that a shitty person said. And the answer uh-huh. is no, I don't care. Like at a certain point, there's a certain rippling out pond effect where it's it's impossible to pretend to care about this stuff unless you you care about things that are close to you, right? That's that's human that's human nature, right? But you know, there's one thing that I've I've said this recently that I, I see it with um, with relatives of mine that are Republican, right wing, that there's this uh, this mantra of you know I care about my family, I. Pre- mm-hmm. I care about my kids and I've always thought of that as like kind of like the least that they could do as far as worrying about anything is like, of course you care about your kids. You're, you're a fucking animal who cares about your spawn. Right. You know, don't, you don't get an award for that, but that's, that's something that's constantly repeated on the far right, which is, you know, like I care about my own, I care about my kids. And I think that the left has taken theirs to the, uh, the extreme of, I care about everybody. So exactly. that's the kind of, that's the counter to that. Exactly. And somewhere in the middle is the porridge that's not quite as insane. And that is, you know, you care about things that you can have some effect on or you don't pretend that you don't, that you aren't affected about something before you had knowledge of something else. Mm-hmm. When people say, well, Time Bandits was never any good. I'm like, fuck off. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, may, I, I have problems with that movie anyway, but I don't get reassess it the moment I hear that somebody said something stupid. I'd have to do that with everyone I've ever met. Because nobody's exempt from saying something stupid. Mm. And these guys are saying typical old man shit. You're surprised that this guy in his fucking 70s is going to say some problematic shit about sexism? Yeah. What Have you ever been shocked before? You know what I mean? Right. Is this your first day on Earth? I think is exactly. usually when I'm on the internet. I'm like, man, it just really seems like it's most people's first day here. You know? I can't <laughs> believe. I'm like, have you... How long have you existed? What's you know funny what I mean? is it, it reminds it reminded me of that loophole we talked about as a couple episodes ago about is anybody going to notice the music industry? Right. That and I think I've solved it, dude. Again, you I think I've me. solved it too, but I, I have a really problematic answer for that. Oh, but sweet. I'll, well, that's a, I'll let that you go first. Yeah. Well, I, this is one of those things you left me to my own devices, and I think I solved it. I think that I think it's because movies there's there's money in it right now i think that the music industry was destroyed you know by napster essentially the Mm -hmm. hit songs are making 20 bucks nobody gives a fuck so when people aren't cracking open hammer the gods or whatever the led zeppelin biography is and finding the actual confessions on the page about the horrible shit they did or ignore ignoring crazy song lyrics 
like um, I sent you that link to the uh, them analyzing the Kenny Rogers songs. Did you mm-hmm. listen to that? Yeah, I did. That was hilarious. That's hilarious. I played that for Amy. And uh, for people that don't remember the song Coward of the County, there's a graphic. Well, not gra- it's graphic in the sense that it doesn't feel like it belongs in the song. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a gang rape in the middle of that song. And Amy was like, what did I just hear? What the fuck? Mm-hmm. And she goes, tell me that toxic masculinity and rape culture isn't real. That here we have a song that is about the growth of this dude and like how he can deal with this. It what's like, where's Becky's song? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. And so that shit's fascinating. And again, like nobody seems to no- notice the music. The music industry seems to be to slide right by mm-hmm. where the scrutiny is on movies. And I think it's because movies are, as we find out with Black Panther, worth as much as a small country, worth as much as the entire, you know, education budget of a country. Yeah. A, bi- a billion dollars yeah. are at stake. So people are fighting, be- and that's what's so gross about it. They're they're not fighting because of some, you know, deep seated beliefs. They're fighting because they see that it's lucrative. They see that mm-hmm. it's it dominates because it's so just loaded with cash. Yeah, you know, what I mean? that's a theory anyway. I I, th- I think that's true, and I I think that mine is kind of maybe a little bit different than well, it's a lot different than that. My thought on the whole thing is that in the music industry, there have been uh, like producers that have been called out. There was that fucking slug. What's his name? Uh, like Dr. Dr. Something. Oh, no, don't don't say Dr. Fink. No, it's Dr. Uh, he's like one of the big. There's like six people who are responsible for most hit songs right now. And he's one okay. of them. And he, uh, he had this thing with Kesha where he kind of like had her in this contract and he was like kind of forcing her to sort of sleep with him and, you know, just generally being like a, a toad, you know, <clears throat> um, and she took him to court over it and lost. And that was actually a real kind of heartbreaking thing because you really got the sense that this woman really just wanted to kind of make her art and not be fucked with. And this guy was, uh, you know, he had so much power within the music industry that he just he couldn't be stopped. And I think he's still just making shit right now. Um but so when it, that's a good example of how you couldn't – how would you go back and like correct that? Mm-hmm. How would you write that ship? Are you going to go and eliminate all those hit songs from people's memories? Yeah. yeah. Like when people – people who they heroically declare their, uh, their inability to separate the art from the artist, you know, they're like, mm-hmm. I'm done with Chinatown or I'm done with Pulp Fiction. Right. But isn't it too late? You know, I mean – is there an internal sunshine of the spotless mind procedure to surgically remove it from I your saw, brain? I saw it a, doesn't exist. Yeah, I saw a thing on the New York Times, and uh, it was Roxane Gay talking about the Roseanne show. And she mm-hmm. said something to the effect of, Roseanne, I thought Roseanne was really funny, but I won't <laughs> be watching it. Here's why. And I read the thing, and my entire reaction was, oh, oh okay. When it's like, the thing is, too, dude, it's like, all this, I think that we might lose sight of the forest for the trees, but I mean, overall, it's a good thing, I think. I mean, I think it's good to obviously kind of confront these sort of issues that we have, but of course, being human beings, we go about it in the most obnoxious no, way dude, possible. I, I totally agree with you. I would say that if the collateral damage is rich people being inconvenienced, fuck them. <laughs> you know, yes, is that the, that seems to be the worst case scenario is the rich people, um, being frustrated. You know, the, the other people being frustrated about the rich people being frustrated, which seems to be what I was doing at the beginning of the podcast. That's even less important, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, who gives a fuck, mm-hmm. but I, I just get annoyed when I, when I hear people talking about, about, uh, you know, reassessing things that they've already seen. I know I just keep getting stuck on this, but unless they're actively destroying reels of film or slapping movies out of people's hands, I honestly don't know what they're talking about mm-hmm. when they say they're done with these particular movies. That's like saying you're done with a particular memory. I don't believe you. Mm-hmm. Try that with a try that with a breakup. You know, right. I don't believe I don't believe you. Right. That's why you, pictures were so bad to relationships, right? Because people initially would be able to. You know, you'd be able to forget about somebody after you broke up up with them. But now, since you know photography was invented, now we got all these people obsessing over past relationships because that memory is so clear. Well, a movie is a picture times a million, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you erase that memory? So, yeah. And I just don't think they can. And I don't. And it's just pathetic to hear them pretend like they can. I was going to ask you a question about a quote I saw the other day. Um, I didn't have time to like dissect it, but did you see that uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson? 
quote about creativity that set the internet on fire. No. Something he goes, uh, hold on, I, I wrote this down. Um, he said, uh, creativity that satisfies and affirms your worldview is entertainment. Creativity that challenges and disrupts your worldview is art. Mm. And there's that's an interesting thing to say. I think yeah. I I both agree and disagree with it at the same time, which is great. Mm-hmm. But it's it set people into a death spiral. Well, it's a tweet. So so first of all, and I, I want to let you continue, but it's it's a tweet. And so this is this is the meta problem with all tweets. I really like the sentiment, but of course, I can immediately begin picking that apart. But I feel like at its core, I I really dig that that sentiment actually. Yeah, it, and then when you start to think about it about the responsibility of films to be important, then I start to, you know, bristle. But it's like it, he gets to say that, you know? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. that there were people like fuck him. Well, <laughs> you what's, know, people... I mean, but what's the what's the logic behind saying fuck him? I don't get that. Um I couldn't explore it without my blood pressure spiking, but it mm-hmm. it seemed to be it seemed to be uh, uh, somebody found offense. I don't know. Somebody found it offensive that that if uh, I think because he, they were suggesting that he was saying movies that have some sort of um, uh, progressive agenda mm-hmm. aren't aren't actually oh, art. Oh, they're, well, they're oh, not. those they're those not. aren't art. That instead, those are like uh, hidden figures. Maybe he wouldn't call that art. And I'm putting words in his mouth because that um, – but then again, that's historical. I, I wouldn't – I don't know if that's a good example. I'm trying to think of what the, what upset somebody was some progressive idea that he was dismissing because mm-hmm. yeah. he was saying that with an agenda, it's no longer art. Mm-hmm. But again, they're taking this more steps than he took it when he said that. He was probably sticking up for problematic art, which we do yeah. all the time, you right. know, right. saying – like when you talked about that Johnny Depp uh, – uh, movie that you saw you're like this is really a problem but i'm so glad glad it exists you know which one you said you said you watched some movie um did johnny depp create some art film that was really really uh, offensive the brave yeah Yeah. and you were like holy fuck (laughs) but but that and that's the difference between that's something that doesn't affirm or satisfy anyone's worldview uh it, it certainly disrupts a worldview well, to, I, I, I mean, think that, I think that actually reminding reminding me of the brave. I, I had my professor uh, of uh, Native American film at OU was this guy, Doctor Nelson, and I think he kind of sort of instilled this this idea in me where we would watch all these films because the the class was split into two semesters. It was really cool. The first semester was uh, <clears throat> Indian films made by white people, and then the second half was Indian films made by Indians. Right, uh-huh. and with each one. We kind of, you know, there were texts to go along with it, and so we were kind of analyzing the films in terms of these texts. But he always really kept the problematic elements and the the quality of film elements separate. He was always very quick to like be like, okay, this this might like we watched uh, like Last of the Mohicans, and he was like, mm. we're we're going to talk about like the themes in this movie. We're not. He was very specific to be like, we're not going to talk about whether this is good or not, but. Of course, the discussion would end up getting to that part. And some some movies that were intensely problematic, he would be like, "Oh, I mean, he's like, oh, I love this fucking movie, you know? I, I, yeah, can't, I can't help it." And he's I, on a, I love he's that. on a yeah, he's on a tightrope there because mm-hmm. I mean, he's kind of doing the opposite of what uh, what Oscar Wilde said. There was no there's no such thing as a moral or immoral book. It's only a good or a bad book. Mm-hmm. Books are well written or badly written. So he's he's trying not to, you know. Think about is last the Mohicans good, which I think it's an excellent film. Right. So he kind of does the opposite of what I'm doing, which is he's looking for worth, which mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily do. Mm-hmm. My biggest problem with last the Mohicans is that, like most of Michael Mann's movies, they let him back into the editing room and he fucked it up. He yeah. he went back and took out some interesting lines. There's a line in there where uh, uh, Hawkeye, the white Native American, the adopted son. Yeah says uh, white people um, make no sense. You are uh, a silly people that make no sense. There's, there's some line like that. And I thought that's a great line because they were arguing about whether to bury bodies or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody was so, all the white people were so offended. Like you can't leave them out here. And he's like, they stay as they lay. Mm-hmm. And 
it, it kind of solidified the idea of these two alien cultures and for him to remove that line because it sounded too, um, too like Saturday morning matinee, like two, uh, boys own adventure or something. It maybe he thought it simplified it too much. I think was made it that, uh, made it take that leap. I don't know. He, it's like maybe Michael Mann would agree with your professor Mm -hmm. and he keeps whittling them down so that they're so lean. He's the only director who actually cuts, you know, when you hear about a director's cut, typically you get 15 extra minutes or something. But Michael Mann's like, nah, director's cut means I'm going to chop about 10 minutes of things that you liked. Yeah, well, because- no, and I think I think the professor, too, like I, the point I was trying to make is that he actually was really good, I think, at separating what was problematic, like in having that discussion from whether or not it was good. You know what I uh-huh. mean? Like you can kind of just like you can take that out and you can look at something and be like, hey, here's what this gets wrong. Here's what this gets right. But always with this kind of like compass that it doesn't necessarily have an effect on the film until sometimes it does, man. And then that's why this shit gets so complicated and it's so hard to like really have these arguments in Twitter form because sometimes bad movies get everything correct. Sometimes good movies get everything wrong. And sometimes no matter what, like I can like a bad movie that gets everything wrong. I can like a bad movie that gets some things right. And I can hate a good, you know, it's, it gets so fucking complicated. It's nuanced. And that's, gr- and that's great. I love the complications. People can't deal with those complications if, if they hold some sort of position. You know, if you go into art with a position and you're fucked. Right. And that seems to be what's happening in real time, you know, right. but, and, well, and you know, people call me confusing for this stuff too. And it's like, you know, earlier today I saw a <clears throat> Roxanne Gay tweet that I really liked and I retweeted it. And so it would be weird to somebody to be like, well, he just got done talking shit. But then if I go to his Twitter, he's retweeting. And it's like, because I like some things that she says and some things that she says drives me crazy because she's a person and I'm a person. And we like, and you contain multitudes. I contain multitudes. You know what? I, but I get so that, and that leads me to why I'm not on uh, Facebook anymore because I can't fucking deal with this anymore. That's what I think. I think art is better at capturing that than anything else. You know what I mean? Like actual writing in terms of like putting out novellas or movies or music or whatever. Art captures that better than anything on the internet. Attempts too much to be a black and white thing, and it just. It, it's a complete impossibility. It's a, well, that's, it's a, the, that's it's what's not so up to the theirs. task. It, it, people yeah, think it, it is, but it's not up to the fucking task. And neither are, neither are movies, I think. If, we're, if this is a movie podcast, I think a, a, a binary reaction to a movie is insanity. And I think this – I was thinking about music in this way again too. Like I think I figured out why all other people's reactions to movies annoy me, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is not a good place to be. Go. But – I think it's because I see somebody react to a movie or hear them tell me about a movie that they've seen and they're like, it sucks or it's great. And I'm, and I'm thinking, I don't want to hear that because they've only seen it once and I'll watch a movie that I'm not even a huge fan of like two or three times. And because that's the beauty of libraries and Netflix, like you don't have to pay for this shit anymore. I mean, it's not like the music industry, which was destroyed by that. You can constantly find a way to watch a a free movie. That's not going to cut into their fucking billions. They'll be fine. Um, but that's another conversation. But anyway, I think people very, very rarely get anything from a song after one listen. Mm-hmm. And that's that music loophole again. But they think a movie will give you all it has to offer after one sitting. Interesting. And that's not true. Like it can get way better and it can get way, way worse. Oh, totally. And that's uh, and I think, again, that the music industry with the loophole, like songs can have lyrics that are complete gibberish. They can be, and they'd be considered like unabashed classics, mm-hmm. like uh, like "Get It On" T Rex. That song makes no sense. "Pour Some Sugar on Me" was in, on in the car the other day. Mm-hmm. I'm like this, these are the most idiotic lyrics I've ever heard in my life. And you can tell that the moment they they finish that song, they're like, "This is a monster hit." Yeah, because the gibberish doesn't matter. So movies should also be able to be like idiotic, but also beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like it does. Like it doesn't. Like I, I'm going to bring it back to Dark Man. <laughs> like I love Dark Man, dude. <laughs> Woo! It, and Dark Man has. If, if we're playing, uh, if we're playing almost good bingo, <laughs> we just have to hit. We have to hit Bellflower <laughs> and Dark Man and Dark Man. Yeah. Yep. And, I mean, oh, Dark, and, and the thing. And the yeah yeah, Dark Man is always gonna, is never far from my thoughts. And like it's idiotic that movie, but it also like the energy and the exhilaration of that movie is almost unheard of. Mm-hmm. Like you people today would consider that movie kind of cheap or mm-hmm. shitty. Mm-hmm. 
and it and they but like it, i don't know i don't know what in a nutshell i'm saying like people aren't allowed to say anything is bad except for us yeah no <laughs> and only after that. and only after they've seen it like five fucking times well and then, and then they still can't they, well, i because, mean it's like the, the, it's the difference between saying something's bad and and that you didn't like something that's right. those are two different very different things that's why we're stuck we're trapped in the limbo of almost good because we can't make those binary decisions no no and then, and that's the thing is that sometimes like i I've, I've been stuck in this for a while now where i realize that I don't really enjoy uh, three-act structure, uh, really, really well-acted, well-shot, um, quote-unquote, good movies anymore. I just don't dig them. I get bored. I'm like, okay, right. I know exactly what's going to happen here. Like something – there has to be some kind of wrench that's thrown into it. I have to for – me to, for me to be interested, I have to get bored or I have to get uncomfortable or I have to like not be able to tell where it's going. I think maybe that's the most important thing to me in movies is just not being not knowing where it's going. Yeah, as soon as some... I know, it's like all right, wrap. It's like the Chappelle show, the wrap it up box. You remember that skit? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just I, I take the wrap it up box and I'm like, do we? We got a fucking hour left on this piece. Like, let's just let's wrap right. it up. Just tell me that's, how it ends. And that's the problem with a lot of these superhero movies. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like the 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 Neil deGrasse Tyson quote, like. Uh, this, I love that you I, call I, him I love Neil it. deGrasse Tyson, by the way. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's how I, I don't know, but yeah, he. Uh, I like that it, it, if if I do some mental gymnastics, I can put Black Panther firmly in the realm of entertainment. Yeah, because it has a, this political vibe and it seems to be doing important work. And but then I can also then put Dark Man in the realm of art, because if the definition is if his quote is that it has to challenge or disrupt your worldview, he's in dark man. He's running on the tops of cars with his little fucking bugs, bunny feet that disrupts the laws of physics. I think that firmly puts it in the realm of art. So dark man, art, black Panther entertainment. Okay. And I, that, that makes uh, almost no sense, but okay, I'll go with it, man. I'm with Kung you. Fu, Kung Fu hustle, pure art. Yeah. Because it's disrupting the laws of physics. I don't know what I'm saying, dude. Freddie got Freddie got fingered. Art, art, Definitely art. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny because everybody wants to take these arguments fractal out because once that happens, people want to have a discussion about what art actually is, and you know there are people who are firmly in the camp of everything is art, and it's well if, if there's no it's, specific thing, then definitions have no meaning. It's like well, then saying, they did they did not look up at the wall when they were. I went to see a movie the other week. I looked up while uh, Amy was in there using the bathroom, and I see posters in a line: Tomb Raider, Ready Ready Player One, uh, some shit Hurricane Heist. I don't even know what that is. There's the Robin Hurricane. I don't know. Yep. Something called Sherlock Gnomes mm-hmm. and God is Not Dead Three, all in a line. Yeah. Like that's not art. Whatever art is, it's not that. It's right. none of. It's not that wall I was looking at. Definitely not. And it's not most things, I think. It's not really most things because I think one of the key ingredients for maybe what we can say our definition of art is is kind of close to what uh, Mr. Degrassi said, which is that it does have to in some kind of way. You have to feel like the person who made it is taking a risk. I like risk, which is why I like the show Atlanta so much. I feel like every episode of Atlanta is some kind of risk that could – take a real bad left turn. Like he, he's, mm-hmm. he's constantly in, in uh, he, he's, he's constantly in danger of alienating his audience in every single episode. And <clears throat> there's that sense of, you know, like, so you never know which way it's going to go. You don't know what it's going to do at any given time. And it's exciting. And he does, I mean, he's like Donald Glover is even able to, you know, kind of put in some really good points about, you know, I guess what it's like to be black in America today, you know, in a, in a way that me as a white dude, like I never think about it, but he wraps it up. It, like That's not his first goal, obviously. Like his first goal is to create these like really insanely interesting, weird, surreal, tight <clears throat> 30 minute episodes of television. And it just, it kind of worms its way in underneath all of that. Does that make sense? I need, yeah, no, I need to watch that. I, I, I had a my first impression of that guy. I didn't like him. He was in uh, the Mar. No, I I've never actually seen that. Even though I worked at a community college for fucking eight years, mm-hmm. I never saw that show. But I saw him in The Martian when he was playing with the stapler and going and telling uh, telling a bunch of scientists like how uh, 
fucking uh, uh, orbits work or something. Yeah. And I thought this is the worst character they ever could have shoehorned into this movie. But then I keep hearing good things about this this show, and it makes me think like it might be what I wanted from the movie ATL, which I thought was going to be great, mm-hmm. and it was uh, not quite almost good. You know, I, with the I love the, that out, movie. I love the that out, movie. But you know what I'm saying? Like the Outcast guys, they're like Prince. They when they dabble in movies, things things go off the rails. Yeah. But I I wanted that movie when I saw the I don't know I saw the poster for it and and I just I'm just like I want that to be something it's not and i i feel like that show might be what i wanted um, oh it is it's, it totally is i mean okay i i don't really even want to spoil anything that happens in the show but i would highly highly recommend just i mean i think there's uh there's 10 episodes in the first season and they're up to episode six in the second and each episode is like 20 minutes long i mean oh, i didn't i didn't know it was that short you can zip through it man you can zip That's- through it real fast that's that's a a, a a big sell these days. Yeah, I was trying to watch that show about the uh, the cult, Wild Wild Country. Mm-hmm. Every episode's like fifty five minutes, Fuck and the first and, and the first one is all filler. It's all like lead up to the thing that happens. It's it's brutal. Here's, here's how bad my attention span is getting now. In rap music, uh, in a lot of songs, there's always like an intro. Oh no! It'll be like you turned on turned on the skits. Uh, dude, no more skit. And like at the beginning, there'll be like thirty seconds of like a sample of like a black exploitation film, followed by like the beat slowly coming in. And I will just, I will just skip right ahead. I'm like, uh, I don't, I, I don't need to I, hear that shit. I could hear, I could hear like Dolomite is my name, and fucking up motherfuckers is my game. <laughs> I could hear that two hundred more times before every song. But that's funny because Outcast is the worst. The the worst like culprit, yeah. there it's it's almost their fault. I, there was the the problem with the fucking uh, answering machine uh, clips in like new metal. That was a problem. Mm-hmm. But, but Outcast took it to a whole new level where they've made these really intricate skits that no one wants to hear twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I think probably the worst skits actually is are still Eminem's. Uh, oh god where it was like ken uh-huh. uh and he was, it was just like the whole joke was like i'm gay and i'm sucking a dick <laughs> and you just yeah. had to listen to like 20 seconds of that in between songs and it's like if i want misogyny and homophobia i want it inside of a good beat and <laughs> presented to me in a humorous way exactly because then the loophole applies it's music it can be it can be fucking horrible and people are going to excuse it yeah you know what's the worst one dude you ever listen to typo negative uh, I've li- I'd listened to a few songs of theirs, but I never really got into them. They had kind of an industrial vibe a little bit. Yeah, they're kind of this doom rock, sludgy kind of Black Sabbathy kind of deal. Oh, okay. But uh, I was really into them for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, they played uh, a local bar in Toledo, and so I I was like, these guys are nine feet tall, and they all look like Nosferatu. I'm so into this shit. Yeah. Well, they have an album that opens with the most idiotic example of not even a skit, like a prank on the listener. So if you buy the album um, October Rust, it opens with uh, what you would think is a defect in the CD. So imagine this. You push play and you hear this like for like a minute. And then you hear these assholes go, did you like a little joke? So with their fucking Dracula voices, did you like our little joke there? Oh, Jesus. That's so bad. So Matt, every time you get in your car and you want to listen to this band you like, you've dropped your $10, you got to listen to that prank? Yeah. We're going we're gonna to waste a minute of your time every <laughs> single time. It's like if you uh, – God forbid you want to listen to this album 60 times. That is an hour of your life gone. <laughs> just <laughs> – but yeah, no, I mean, I can't, I can't, I just, I can't even do it anymore, which is uh, why I haven't really watched anything. Dave, what have you watched recently? Oh yeah. So this is, this is a big problem. Our movie podcast, you've, you've walked away from all media apparently. Is this Pretty what much. I heard? Pretty much. You're, so you don't even want, you don't want movies in your life, but we're going to keep doing this movie podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't really see a problem I like, with it. I like your moxie kid. Yeah. I don't see a problem <laughs> with it. I mean, I can, I, well, I watch Atlanta and I, uh, I'll watch a movie. Let me see. Hold on. What I'm going to do here in real time, I'm going to pull up my Netflix account. Oh, okay. I'm this is see. some lazy shit. This is, I hope that we have some people that are going to get to be very forgiving. It looks like part. I got, looks like I got, uh, five minutes through wheel, man. 
I got three <laughs> three minutes through something called Money Heist. <laughs> I got uh, this is uh, like a window into your soul. This is yeah, awesome. It really is. I watched two episodes of the Joel McHale show. I like that one. Uh, I got <laughs> ten minutes into Ugly Delicious. I got. <clears throat> All right. Let me see if I can find some I, more. I like here. I like your, what you're doing here. I'm going to do it too. Yeah, I've never I never thought about this. So what I, are you when you recently watched? Yeah, recently watched, and then it looks like I've got uh, here in my queue. I've got uh, I did watch all of Bad Day for the Cut, which I liked. Here, uh, you want to hear hear something stupid? What's that? My Netflix account. When I click on it to go into who's watching and go into the sub account, yeah, one of them's called "Do Not Ever Speak to Me Again" because I got mad that it was asking me who was watching oh, at that wow. moment, yeah. and I didn't know it was going to save an account. So now <laughs> I have to click past that in shame because there's an account called Amy Owen, which is my sister's cat, and "Do Not Ever Speak to Me Again." That's awesome. Which, which was me trying not to be observed by Netflix's algorithm. I don't so think that, it works that way, but yeah, no, no, fair doesn't. enough. Yeah, it on, didn't. on my list of stuff that I have yet to watch is uh, Tale of Tales, Godless, Dark, something called The Vault, which looks really bad, so I'm interested. Uh, Bushwick, which some friends of mine said, bro, you got to watch it, so it's probably really bad. Um, the Survivalist, and I still, I really do want to watch The Bad Batch. I've just never gotten around to fucking watching The Bad Batch. Like, that seems really fun. So are you under – how do you find this list? Is it under continue watching? Is that what it is? It's Well, no. I mean there's actually an option that's called my list. The, oh. the, the continue watching one was what I just read off, and unfortunately it only showed me a few. I know there's more than that, but I can't – Oh, I've, I know. Yeah, I've seen the list. They changed that from Q, and it confused me. Okay, yeah. so shit I've watched lately. I watched uh, Bare Knuckle Fight Club just to see if it was really people punching each other in the face, and it is. Oh, it so is. I'll, wow. I'll be revisiting that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wild Wild Country – uh amy's been watching the crown cold justice which is um cold cases where these two kind of uh um like soccer moms go out and solve cases it it sounds better on paper than it is they Mm -hmm. they just sort of investigate um mysterious disappearances in small towns and try to shine a light on them there's a lot of uh, scripted shit. I wouldn't recommend it. Mm. Uh, girls incarcerated, young and locked up. Sounds, sounds, sounds like an exploitation movie, but nope. A very serious Juvie Hall documentary. Game Over Man. Have you seen that one? I mm. watched that. Rio started watching it yesterday. She said somebody gets their dick cut off. There's so many dicks in this movie. It's wow. the guys from uh, Workaholics and the you know the little the little funny guy who's in all those movies. Uh, like what yeah. is it? Dave and Joe go to a wedding or whatever, and mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the little fratty dude. The little fratty dude's dick is all over that movie. Tight. Like he's, he's I'm gonna give a, I'm gonna spoil the one funny part of it so you don't have to watch it. Nice. He's, uh, the people are, it's like Die Hard sort of, mm-hmm. and that's, it's very consciously like Die Hard. These right. terrorists have invaded this building, and they're like this wait staff or whatever. So at one point to hide from the um, terrorists, he, he's like, I, I got an idea. And they come back to the scene and he has faked like he's show, uh, hung himself while jerking off. So he's he's hanging in the closet with a tuxedo shirt and no pants and just like his dick in his hand, which they nice. start they start the scene on his his fucking little actor penis. Nice. And then he his shit goes haywire and he runs around with no pants, but like right past the camera at cam like a dick level. And. <laughs> There's that's just one of like four dicks in that movie. Holy shit, that's too many dicks. I, speaking of dicks, I gotta pee real fast. I'll be right back. All right, all right, all right. Are you back? I had to piss yeah. too. Yeah, I'm back. Yeah, I just uh-huh. I just now noticed that I also made it through the first five minutes of the canyons, and I just couldn't I just couldn't do it. Oh, is that the uh, Lindsay Lohan with the porn guy? I thought Jim? it was gonna I thought it was gonna have like some kind of charm to it, but it just really I don't know. It was, it that- was too much even for me. Is the porn actor any good? Is he a good actor? No, he's real bad. Real. Oh, bad. that's yeah. too bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's actually the, he's probably the biggest problem with it because he's supposed to be this kind of, you know, enigmatic, uh, charismatic force. You know, like this sort of force of nature type dude, and he's not pulling it off. There's that's too lot. bad. There's always that question, like if you know, porn actors and actresses, whenever they're interviewed, they always seem to be kind of bitter that they 
that the, that they have all this talent that they could give legitimate films, but the, because of the stigma, they're never allowed to. But it mm-hmm. seems like they maybe they're where they they should be. <laughs> I mean, like it, it is a talent. I mean, I couldn't do it, but right, right. At, at, the, at the same time, it's. I think that people might not really have an understanding of what a uh, how difficult acting really is, you know, uh, because if you, like I've only kind of tangentially kind of been around actors doing their things. And it's it's insane. Like you'd have two giant cameras in your face, so much pressure to perform because, you know, literally a crew of 40 to 50 people, sometimes like a bunch of extras, whatever, they're all doing their thing. And you have to hit these notes, these beats. And right. it's really kind of an incredibly <clears throat> difficult thing to do. So that's my little... I th- This goes kind of goes to my... Uh, I have a theory, an ongoing theory about um, that acting is is really hard, but musicians can kind of cross over effortlessly. Mm-hmm. And I think there's this, um, there's this performative aspect to them already mm-hmm. that, uh, they find it really easy. Uh, Cause some of there's some surprises. Too. Yeah. 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 Like uh, Dwight Yoakam. Why, why Great. is he so good Fantastic at it? Fantastic actor. Insanely suddenly, good actor. So good at, it. uh, even Timberlake was good in that, uh, alpha dog. I believed mm-hmm. every word of his, out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue that Marky Mark, is not a bad actor, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, I think it's more like, I think rappers have a better crossover, like Ice Cube, Will Smith, right? Uh, uh, Queen Latifah. I think they have this sort of performative aspect to him. LL Cool J, not as much. He, um, I think Eminem was a good actor. In, in Deepo blew up. My head is like a shark spin. <laughs> Deepo blew up. Although he has the best part in that movie in Deep Blue Sea when he talks about uh, he thinks he's going to die. So he records a video for his um, son mm-hmm. and it's uh, how to correctly make eggs. And um, I still use his advice to this day. I think that uh, I believed he was a chef. So that's good. Interesting. Acting, right? Yeah, it's like it's, it's you learn something. You Tupac know? was good. Tupac was a good actor in those couple of the oh, single he fantastic. Movies. He was so uh, good, man. Uh, uh, Gr- Gridlocked is like one of my favorite movies. He was yeah, he's good in that. Ludacris is good. Mm-hmm. Um, he was great in uh, uh, what's the fucking the, the pimp movie? It's hard out here for a pimp. Um, I don't know. So, something hustle. Uh, oh oh, uh, hustle and flow. Hustle and flow. Yeah, he was good in that. He played he played a like an asshole rapper very well. Yeah. You know what I'm discovering about this Netflix thing, dude? I just now realized this, but I think algorithms have really fucked up Netflix too because I just like typed in a word because I was looking for something. And I'm seeing movies that I have never seen on here before. Like so many fucking movies. This is, this might be, the audience might be interested to know what Netflix is suggesting for you to watch. Oh, suggesting. Okay. I can do that right now. Like recommendations. Okay. Let's see. Trending now. So is it, I guess it's just anything that it thinks that I'll like maybe. Yeah. I think the audience will get an idea of what a little, little glimpse into who you are. What is, Uh, what does Netflix want you to watch? Isn't there a recommended list? Let's see if top, I can find top picks. this. Top picks for. Well, I can tell you some stuff that I see very often. I see like the Hateful Eight all the time. I see. They... Uh, let's see. We got uh, Meeting Evil with it looks like Lawrence Fishburne. It looks like okay. uh, True to the Game. He's a rich, charming criminal. She's a poor, <laughs> aspiring writer. Together, these lovers want the impossible. A fresh start. That seems pretty cool. So this is like a psych profile of you. It thinks you want to watch Battle stuff like the, like like the canyons. Battle drone. <laughs> Let's see. Double crosses, corrupt governments, and soldiers of fortune facing a new breed of foe programmed to kill. That looks really bad. Man, did you see this this Wind River? I hate this guy. I'm gonna just gonna go out on a limb here, and I'm just gonna I say like I haven't seen it yet. I what was his other? This this well this it's his first directing thing, but he's the dude who wrote fucking Sicario and like all oh, those. Oh yeah, crappy, you don't like. Sicario. Uh, you don't like Sicario, I remember. Did he write Just, Hell or High Water? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Did I ever tell you what my if I was to do a trilogy, mm-hmm. I would call it Hell, High Water, and I didn't think this through. Jeepers Creepers three. Not watching that because even after we had that whole discussion about how the art and the artist should be separated. That dude who makes those Jeepers that's Creepers. That's the guy who did. He, that's the guy a, who did something. Now he's what a about pedophile? The guy who says that he watches Jeepers Creepers three and he makes a movie. Do you boycott his movie? That's the question. There we go. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Are you want to hear my top picks? The my psych profile. Yeah, do it. 
it's uh, it's very it's adorable. It's uh, it thinks I should watch Scarface. It thinks I might like Scarface. Aww. Something I've never seen before. It thinks I might like Heat. You know, Ooh. I've never seen never seen Heat. That's a good uh, one. Look at all these uh, these movies to discover. Guardians of the Galaxy. I it's why is it recommending things I've already seen? I guess because. It's stupid. Like this is why algorithms they really should go back to the drawing board with algorithms until they have them like better. I think we're, okay, it, we're well, all we're all currently being beta tested for something that our kids will have it'll be a perfect algorithm. But right just, now, I have it like just calibrate the target just calibrated because it said to watch Jackass 2. There we go. That's a good one. <laughs> I, I will watch that. Thank you. I'll watch that right now. <laughs> I got I got Boss Baby over here. I got uh this bright uh, not doing it. Not that's doing bad. it. That's bad news. Uh, Star Trek. Nope. Walking it, Dead. Nope. It, it wants me to watch. Skin it doesn't Wars. know what I. It doesn't know what I want to watch because I stop every movie five minutes through. Through, so it can't figure it out. It's like <laughs> we know he likes manly shit that's, where people. That's get, one slippery. He likes it when people get like fucking beaten up. I guess kind of, but he might also like something called Children of the Whales. I guess I don't know. <laughs> Just, it wants me to watch Lockup County Jail. I'll watch that. Lock you like, you like those Lockup shows, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of my, it's kind of what I'm working on. Like I'm working yeah. on a prison thing. Yeah. Drop Dead Diary. What? Hell yeah, bro. What? The, meeting Evil. Never heard of it. Heart and Dixie. It's it's got these kind of rom commy looking. Wants pictures. me to watch uh, Cube. I loved Cube. I thought that was great. It wants me to watch Doctor Strange. And that's it's that's that's some bait. Yeah. I'm not going to take the bait. <laughs> um, fun. Well, we should uh, yeah. when we we'll put this podcast up, we're going to have to claim it's a review of something. Should we, you just want to call it the Pacific Rim review? Ah, uh, sure. Yeah, because I saw that, that, and then yeah. maybe people tune in. What's a new movie that would make people excited to hear what we have to say about it? And we can kind of like get all the way to the end and be like, "Son of a bitch!" Yeah, we're going to bait and switch them. Okay, What's, yeah, let's, Pacific Rim. Let's, let's just do that one. Well, there might be something else. Wait a minute. In theaters, there's something something hot right now. I feel like I feel like there's a of the moment kind of movie going on. Uh-huh. Oh, Ready Player One. Oh, Ready okay. Player. Yeah. I'm the... never I'm never gonna see that fucking piece of yeah. shit. So this is gonna be our Ready Player One review, and yeah. we're we're gonna see who tunes in. Mm-hmm. I saw all I needed to see in that commercial. Yeah. Um, the poster is plenty. I feel like I watched all of the movie with that poster. It's got like Iron Giants on it and Back to the Future cars and like everything you loved. Yeah. Okay, so this is our Ready Player One All right. review. Can I can I start? You're gonna review Ready Player One? Can I can I start by just reading this poem that author Ernest Klein wrote uh, before he published Ready Player One? <laughs> I think I've seen this. Go ahead. It's called uh, Nerd Porn Auteur. Tuck in, buddy. I've noticed that there don't seem to be any porno movies that are made for guys like me. All the porn I've come across was targeted at beer-swilling, sports-bar-dwelling alpha males, men who like their women stupid and submissive, men who can only get it up for monosyllabic, cock-hungry nymphos with gargantuan breasts and a three-word vocabulary. Adult films are populated with these collagen-injected liposuction women, many of whom have resorted to surgery and self-mutilation in an attempt to look the way they have been told to look. These aren't real women, they're objects. And these movies are not erotic, they're pathetic. These vacuum-headed fuck bunnies don't turn me on. They disgust me. And that's not because I'm against pornography. I mean, I'm a guy, and guys need porn. Fact. Like a preacher needs pain, like a needle needs a vein, guys need porn. But I don't want to watch this misogynist he-man woman-hater porn. I want porno movies that are made with guys like me in mind. Guys who know that the sexiest thing in the world is a woman who's smarter than you are. You can have the... Sorry, I had to let that out. You can have the whole cheerleading squad. I want the girl in the tweed skirt and the horned rim glasses. Betty Finnabowski, the valedictorian. Oh, yes. First, I want to copy her trig homework. And then I want to make mad passionate love to her for hours and hours until she reluctantly asks if we can stop because she doesn't want to miss Battlestar Galactica. Summa cum laude, baby. 
That is what I call erotic. But did you ever see that kind of woman in a contemporary adult film? No. Which is why I'm going to start writing and directing geek porno. I shall be the quintessential nerd porn auteur, and the women in my porno movies will be the kind that drive nerds like me mad with desire. I'm talking about girls that used to fuck up the grading curve. The girls in the Latin Club and the National Honor Society. Chicks with weird clothes, braces, four eyes, and 4.0 GPAs. Brainy articulate bookworms with Mensa cards in their purses and chips on their shoulders. I'm going to start reading this like a slam poem. My porn starlets will come in all shapes and sizes. My porn starlets will be too busy working on their PhD to go to the gym. In my kind of porno movies, the girl won't even have to get naked. They just take the guys down to the rec room and beat them repeatedly at chess and then talk to them for hours about Heisenberg's uncertainty principle or the underlying social metaphors in the Aliens movies buy stock in some hand cream companies because there is about to be a major shortage. And I'm not just talking about straight porn. Oh, no. There should be fuck films for my nerd brethren of all sexual orientations, gay nerd porn flicks with titles like Dungeons and Drag Queens. This idea is a fucking gold mine. I'm going to make millions because this country is full of database programmers and electronics engineers, and they aren't getting the loving they so desperately need, and you can help. If you're an intelligent woman is interested in breaking into the adult film industry, and if you can tell me the name of Luke Skywalker's home planet, then you are hired. It doesn't matter if you think you're overweight or unattractive. It doesn't matter if you don't think you're beautiful. You are beautiful, and I will make you a star. That's real. And you know okay. what the thing is, man? The thing is... Wait, the, before, can I just say something, dude? Yeah, what? That is not what I thought was going to happen. I, yeah. I think I did not... I've never heard that. Or yeah. if I did, I thought it was something else. There's a lot to unpack there. Go ahead. Well, first of all, you want to say like, okay, this was from before he wrote Ready Player One. You know, he's a young guy. Oh, hell no, dude. He was like in his late 20s, early 30s when he wrote this. So he's very clearly brain damaged or autistic or both. Yeah, but what's what's fascinating about that is what you just read is Ready Player One. It's Ready Pander One, dude. He's hiding in plain sight. Mm -hmm. That was a promo for the exact same thing, which is – here is everything you nerds think you need to jerk off to. Mm-hmm. Like that is the same thing. Wow, you, that's a good point. So we are reviewing Ready Player One by yeah. just reviewing that poem. That is the exact same thing. <laughs> no, that's really true. No, it really is, and it's it, it is completely pandering. And he just wants people to love him. And I I wonder sometimes though how this kind of stuff gets caught up in the zeitgeist. You know what I mean? Like how what was it about this that made people perk up and say, oh, this is what the world wants right now. Because it doesn't to me, it doesn't strike me, the book that is, it it was a popular book and it sold well, but it didn't strike me as something that really kind of took off in the way that like a Twilight or a Harry Potter or anything like that I remember a lot of people liking the book and I remember a lot of people recommending the book to me and then I realized that those people didn't like me. And But I think the book was also positioned really well at the time. The movie feels 10 years too old out of date doesn't it it does yeah and it's just they just piled as many kind of it's it's complete nostalgia overload i used to go crazy looking at um like instagram because i i followed really cool artists but it seems like the way that most artists have to make money is by doing mashup pictures so it'd be like what if the alien was also garfield you know (laughs) right right and it just got me crazy because i'm like there's no creativity involved in this it's literally just a it's not even a pun you know it's just garfield as an alien like spielberg is a is a great example of entertainment over art except maybe in the middle when you know with like schindler's list and uh, half of saving private ryan but like uh, I think that he could make – if anybody could make that into something that was worth seeing, it might be him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't imagine how he has anything to even start with. Like you saw Minority Report. That was surprisingly surprisingly good adaptation of, of that, of that uh, story. Yeah, it's because it was a passion project. <clears throat> Spielberg and uh, Cruz both took massive pay cuts to have that movie be able to have a $100 million budget that went straight to like special effects and like making it look good. Um, that was a movie that they really kind of cared about. And right. I mean, I guess Spielberg's at the point now, obviously, where he doesn't have to do shit if he doesn't actually want to. So I'm so, not saying so, that. Yeah. Care. So that's the, that's the mystery is like, why did he want to do this? And that, so maybe we're going to, when we actually see it, maybe we will go and revise this. But I think, I think analyzing that poem is the same as analyzing that movie. There's, there's no indication that there's anything else there. Right. Right. He just, he really, yeah, he just, he, he thinks... Or anything we've never seen before. Right. And this is kind of the thing, man. This kind of makes me think of my larger problem with art in general. And it's not – 
um, that I'm just super savvy and a hipster and like on the cutting edge of shit, but it does really feel like I have an overactive, um, irony center of my brain, uh, or like a bullshit center. And it feels like people who get really successful like this, they're completely oblivious. Like they just have no idea that what they're doing has already been done and has already been like made fun of every which way that it could. And it's you don't think parodied. it's more, you don't think it's more cynical than that? Like could be because think about, I mean, that's the one gripe that, that we have with, with genre movies that's, that's pretty consistent, I think, which is I've seen it before. I've seen that shit before. This seems like the ultimate loophole of, oh, you thought you saw that before. We're going to say, here's a bunch of stuff that you will admittedly have seen before, and we're just going to we're just going to skip right past that. Like it's made up mm. entirely of things that we know you've seen before. Mm. And that somehow sidesteps that criticism. I mean, that's, per- that's pretty cynical, but I don't know. I'd, it just occurred to me that that could be the. How did it do? Let's see. Ready player one box office. Please, God, let this bomb. Please. <laughs> okay. It looks like a quiet place did good. Oh, Jesus Christ. Ready player one is the first Steven Spielberg film to hit 300 million since 2000 okay so it did well never mind Fuck dude me. i'm excited i'm Fuck excited me. for a quiet place a quiet place is gonna put you know we've been complaining about dare i say it the movie gremlins for a while now right mm-hmm. can you imagine a quiet place supposedly the like the first half hour is completely silent <laughs> what's gonna happen people are just gonna start tackling each other <laughs> they can't endure that Oh, that's so great! Yeah, we'll that's the ultimate that test for the Gremlin. Who, uh, uh, it's the, the movie Gremlins theater edition. Okay, go for it. I've been going to um, cue the music. I've been going to see uh, some plays because I moved out to uh, within you know uh, road trip distance of San Francisco. So I've been going to see some plays. Saw uh, Book of Mormon and. Um, I saw David Sedaris there, and uh, what was the other one? Uh, uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Mm-hmm. And I'm noticing that there's a different kind of gremlin. There's a, there's a highbrow brand of gremlin hmm. in the theater. Like, it's like um, the gremlin in Gremlins 2 when he has like the when he's very eloquent and you know. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. That is the kind of gremlin you're dealing with, and it's like first of all the the struggle over the armrest is is becomes very important because th- these theaters are old you know so you're you're having the skirmish you know with you know I'll take the elbow and you take the front and there's a lot of strategizing about who's getting the armrest so that stuff is it, that's not happening in theaters anymore in movie theaters because of the the spa thing you described yeah, right right so, so that is back the the kind of airline struggle for the armrest but like um you know, and so after you have this careful attack and retreat with all the thoughtfulness of Patton's World War II campaign, you finally get like, I got the the backside of the armrest is mine. And then this fucking um, this fucking dude, uh, he gave me this. I didn't realize, like, you if you bring snacks, uh, it's kind of like an airline, too. Like, you, you don't want to have anything with peanuts because in California, if you open something that has peanuts in it, you might as well have opened tear gas bomb yeah. like people smell peanuts a mile away and that like that it's fatal or something uh, uh, yeah so um there was a lady I, that I, I used to work at safeway and she would come in and she'd have her stuff and she would hand it directly to me because nothing that she had could touch any surface that it had peanuts on it and i was like really that's really? so that's what that's different because in movie theater you, you bust out your reese's you're fine but i opened up a double size reese's and stunk up the area around me, and you would have thought I took a shit. And people weren't people weren't feeling it. But anyway, the the main thing is that like these rich people, they have season tickets. Yeah. And so there are these weird walkouts that I've that I would if you had a season ticket to a theater, that's got to cost like thousands of dollars, right? Sure. So. People are like these – there will be like this old couple at David Sedaris. You ever hear David Sedaris' stuff? Pretty raunchy, right? I guess. I, I never thought of it that way. Is it? Yeah. I mean he's talking about uh, you know diarrhea and oh, okay. and stuff. It's it's pretty raunchy to, to, the, to the old couple with the season tickets. Sure, yeah. And, and it took me the longest time to realize that um, – People would – they bail at the first whiff of offensiveness um, or, or peanuts mm-hmm. and, they're, and they're gone. And like 
movie theaters, I feel like we have so many, so many of the gremlins there are, are movie hop or, you know, theater hoppers. So they're not going anywhere. They're like, whatever this is, I'll watch the last half of it. Yeah, exactly. And you'd think that because that there's no stakes, they're not losing any money, they would come and go at will. But they, they're pretty much anchored when they get there. Mm-hmm. But these theater people, like, the first 20 minutes of these three plays, I saw, I don't know, 12 walkouts? Holy shit. It's like, how do you not know about the Book of Mormon before you go see it? And I guess it's because they have they have the year pass, and they're like, I'm going to go see everything at this theater. Could you imagine and, just? Could you imagine what it would be like to just get offended by things like that? Like, <laughs> or what kind of life is that? Or you know, they they get dressed up. They're wearing their little suits, and it's like they're going to church. And then they sit down. And 15 minutes in, the Book of Mormon. You know, it's by the South Park guys, so it's yeah. it's it's awesome, but it's offensive as hell. Right. They're like they're like nope, and then they get up and leave. And I thought they just ate 500 bucks. Right. But then I thought about it. Like no, they probably come to everything yeah. to sample it. So they're walking Wait on everything. Hold on, back up. It costs five hundred dollars to see a play. Where, where they were sitting, yeah. Holy shit! I got, I got cheaper seats. They were like a hundred bucks each, and I was up $100? in the hundred dollars. I was up in the nosebleeds too. Holy fuck, man! So these people—that's what I'm saying, dude. So these gremlins are like—they're going home and lighting a cigar with a rolled up twenty or something. Oh, I don't shit. But I guess if you have season season tickets, go see everything, and get ready to be disappointed or maybe it's a big it's a, some sort of statement they're making but i've never seen so many walkouts and it's it's got to be season ticket holders yeah it's got to be yeah it's totally. there, it was very conspicuous they're right down on the floor and in the middle yeah yeah no oh. it's yeah it's it's richie riches so like I, it's like let's go get offended at the theater kind of thing those are worse, dude. I think yeah. I found a worse, a worse kind of movie gremlin is the theater gremlin. Well, it's rich people. I mean, because it's like, rich. People. Yeah, they 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 suck ass. I hate them. So you know, <laughs> it's like no matter how annoying you know, pe- like theater gremlins might get, it's like most at least they're stealing. At least they're kind of stealing. So that's yeah, a loophole. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're stealing, and usually they're kind of like trashy and whatever. And it's like, oh, you guys are just, you just don't know any better, you know. Well, like, we found the one, the gremlins with the glasses, like you said. Yep. <laughs> and that'll, 